This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As per usual, reviewing another Man United collapse in the Champions League and looking ahead <laughs> to... Uh, Galatasaray, looking ahead to Galatasaray, looking back on Galatasaray and looking ahead to the Newcastle trip on Saturday. It is December. It is the festive season. It is where footballers play more games than they care to play. Matches every three days, injuries everywhere. United's actually is clearing up slightly, a little bit, but you just wait. You wait another week and I'm sure we'll have like two or three more to talk about. But um, yeah, Rob, how's it going? Not bad, Scott. Yeah, as you said, we're coming into uh, towards the festive period. We're, it's a bit early probably to say that, isn't it? But it is starting it's to December snow. December 1st. Yeah, it's starting to snow. So yeah, December the 1st, first day of the advent calendar, isn't it? So yes, we are We are officially... Do you still uh, do advent calendars? No, not really. You know, that's, you know, when children are small, you, you do those things for your kids, don't you? But I think as they get older, it, it becomes less of a thing, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, here we go. We're going into into the Christmas period. And I'm one of those people, Scott, people will say to me, Oh, you know, I love football around Christmas. And I, I'm the opposite. I, I actually oh. think, I think the whole festive approach to football in this country is warped and a bit weird. <laughs> I really do like, Oh, let's play more games when the weather is awful and shocking because people are off work. That's what it used to be, isn't it? It's like, Oh, people are off work. Well, people are not really off work anymore. I don't think around Christmas we're all working, aren't we? So, um, yeah, we're going into that period and Man United have still got things to sort out. Yep, we'll talk about the latest draw in the Champions League. United now <clears throat> relying on other results mm. uh, in order to get through and they have to do their job anyway and beat Bayern Munich, considering they've won one game in their five Champions League games so far. Mm. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know, United could win and still go out. So, Or go into the Europa League. Which one would you prefer? Do you think, are you, are you in the camp of go out of Europe completely? I think I said to you, Scott, a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, that, that what, what this has shown in the last few weeks, the last few months, that we're not good enough to be in the Champions League. That's the truth. Like, you know, when you look at the Galatasaray game, which we'll talk about, that happens, that result, because you're not good enough to manage the game. That's where you are as a, as, as a bunch of individuals and as a team. Do I want to be in the Europa League? Absolutely not. But, of course, the Europa League will extend your season. It does still give you a chance, doesn't it, of getting in the Champions League if you win it? Obviously, United mm-hmm. have done that route before. And do you know what, Scott? You might need that. But I also look at it this way, Scott, is that we could probably do with not being in Europe. We could probably do with one game a week and getting these players drilled and getting our midfield to become a little bit more serious because I still think they're a pack of jokers. You know, it's pantomime season here in the UK and they play like a bunch of drama queens all the time in that midfield. They don't do the normal stuff. And that's where we we are. So I think that the, the, holistically, 
being out of Europe would be a good thing for United, but I also understand that you want to still be in the chance of getting in the top into the, the top competition next year by winning the Europa League, and that extends your season. There's potentially five places. Oh, mind you, if United and Newcastle go out of the Champions League, um, I don't know. Man City and Arsenal might go quite far. There's a lot of teams, hmm. especially if Newcastle go into the Europa League. You know, Liverpool probably the favourites for the competition. Uh, so we'll see how it works, but there could be five teams in the Champions League through the Premier League next season. So we will see. The United might have a strong chance if they can get their heads right and get their football right of uh, qualifying via league position. But we'll see. Uh, plenty to work on, as we'll talk about. Uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, The Promise Land, a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, leave a comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell as well, and follow us on social media. At double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised Land. MU on X, let's look at look back at the Galatasaray game. Some great moments in it. Mm. Incredible game of football. Moments FC. Mm. Uh, where do you want to go with that, Rob? Where should we start? Uh, I don't know, Scott. I'm going to ask you a question rather than me. Well, I know what you want. Going to, I, I, I'm going to. No, I'm going to say to you. I'm going to say to you. How did you feel, Scott, with the uh, with the way that game went? What, I thought what, it was funny. I know you did. You you, te- you uh, texted me, didn't you, and say that you thought it was it was funny. And I was think that was at the time when I was trying to bang my head against the brick wall on this side here. So uh, it was kind of like I was. What's the I, point? Banging your, like, why are we surprised by this anymore? Like, just it. It's not until they show signs that they've changed. Mm. Why expect anything different? Um, why, why get why get all amped up and this kind of and this is this is just my take. I, I don't yeah. know whether this might help other people who are listening. Just watch it and see it for what it is. I think totally. the manager probably knows the issues that he's got to fix, but they're not getting fixed. Mm. Really, there's some encouraging signs. I think that Ten Hag's criticism for being pragmatic and boring and not having a style. Mm. I think you saw on Wednesday night why he plays that football. Totally. Absolutely. United played pretty open. They played high risk. They played man-man. They got pulled apart. They created a ton of chances. They were absolutely knackered at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the type of, for me, that's the type of football that Eric, Eric Ten Hag wants to play. And you see time and again why he doesn't do it. Because if he plays every match like that, you're not going to lose a lot of them. I know they're losing a lot of matches as it is, mm. but he'll lose them even worse. <laughs> and he'll increase pressure on himself. And he'd be called naive. We'll see We'll see what Andrew Postacoglu does at, at Manchester City this weekend with a ravaged team. You know, Ben Ben Davis and Emerson Royal at centre-back against Erling Haaland. Like, he's going to stick to his guns. He's lost three in a row. If Ten Hag does that at United and loses four in a row and gets banged by Man City playing an open, expansive style of play. How long does he last, really? You know, so yes. I think this is... this that, that was my big takeaway from that game, is you saw in that game what Ten Hag wants to do, really. And you saw the plus points and you saw the drawbacks. And there's a hell of a lot of drawbacks. So he doesn't feel comfortable, for me, playing that way all the time because the drawbacks will often outweigh the positives. Because his midfield are, they, they, I, I don't think they're equipped for it. No. They don't have the capability of uh, being calm under pressure, keeping the ball under pressure, uh, picking the right pass in the right moments. You can hold on to it for a little bit longer and, and wait for the moment to come to you rather than forcing it, mm-hmm. like time after time after time. 
we'll we'll talk about that on the show today. Uh, I think I think the entire midfield is is culpable of that. Yeah, maybe Cobby aside, and wasting chances, although they took a fair few of them, uh, and that's that's a plus point as well. United are starting to actually put the ball in the net. They should have. They should have scored eight the other day, to be honest. But it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that's that's just my take on it. I'm trying to look, sit back, and like look at it for what it is, and look at the bigger picture, really. Uh, and obviously, we haven't mentioned the goalkeeper either. Um, and you, you got to stop simple shots going in the net. Mm-hmm. And if you drop a shot in the net that's easy to save at three-one up, knowing this team's mentality and how they crumble, I mean, the last thing they need is an excuse to crumble. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's there's tons of issues, but I think for me, I came out of it feeling quite good, actually. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I understand the reasons completely for tearing your hair out, mm. but I kind of looked at it and I, I've been very publicly, I've very, very publicly backed Eric Ten Hag to the point where I'm getting criticized for it. Oh, you'll defend Ten Hag, you'll pin it, pin the blame on everybody else, like until the day dies, this kind of thing. But, that like that that game for me was proof why mm. that, that, that that was proof why and he's he's naive in his own senses his his style that he wants to play is very very open very very high risk and your team has to be perfect if you're going to play that way anyway. totally look yeah. I, I i'm with you all the way with 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 all of that and and i think this is why we've said on the show that this is not just an a tactical issue it's not just about the manager you just said they're about style of play. I do think that he's putting his trust as a manager into his players. Like I don't see him being massively reductive on the football pitch. Like I don't see him trying to stop people being themselves. If you know what I mean, like they're their best side of it. You just said they're about, you know, the emotions of it. You know, I'm the purveyor of don't get too high. Don't get too low. I think you have to stand back and be a little bit stoic when it comes to analyzing these things around a football team. Why, why teams do well, but also why they don't do well. I think when you look at Man United, the, the, the frustration, Scott, comes for me is that stuff that they should be still doing better than they are because they're professional footballers. Now, if it was like you just said they're putting the ball in the net, that's, that's the hardest art in football, creating guts, opportunities, scoring goals. It's the hardest part of football. But quite often we we just don't give the same value to things like possession to territory and stuff like that it's not as interesting it's not as box office you're right i'm happy man united are finally looking like a better team in the final third and i think that comes from having bruno as your 10 if bruno's up that end of the pitch i think you can squeeze it all up there scott mctominay makes runs from that area into the box he's looking more like a a kind of goal scoring midfielder isn't he but you give so much away to the opponent on the deck that you are literally killing yourself game after game after game. It doesn't matter how much you run and risk and reward is fine, but most teams don't play risk and reward. Like you're talking about and Posca Coglu there in Tottenham. They played risk and reward at the start of the season, looked quite good, didn't they? They're now going to get found out because they've got injuries. So you can't carry on doing the same thing if it, if it keeps hurting you. So it will, I think <laughs> He will, and and that's fine, and he, and they can live and die by that. Like yeah. I'm fine if managers want to do that's cool. That's like you put your neck on the block and you get sacked. That's okay. That's that's on you, isn't it? That's your style of football. You know, it's like I said it before. Bielsa at Leeds. You know, while it all works, everyone loves it, and you're a genius. And when it goes wrong, you're suddenly a madman. So I think with Ten Hag, eighteen months into the project, 
I still think he's looking for answers for things that maybe there isn't answers for. <laughs> like ball retention means that you need players that look after the ball better. But up here, Scott, not with the feet, is to look at the game up here and look around you and go... For the benefit of audio listeners, he's pointing at his head. I'm pointing my head, my head. You can't hear me banging it in my microphone there. But you point to your brain because that's what it's about. It's about intelligence, football intelligence. And that is about you're 2-0 up in a game, Scott. Slow the game down. You've done really well to get 2-0 up. Slow the game down. Get to halftime at 2-0. Kill the emotions of the opponent. Take it away from them. Be boring. You've done what you need to do. This is about professionalism. They can't do it. I don't know why that is, because I don't think Ten Hag at 2-0 is saying, yeah, lads, just kick, go 60 yards and run around and just flick the ball out of play and concede stupid fouls around the box. Just do all that. That's okay. I don't think he's saying any of that. So I think this is why, you know, I do have a lot of time for Ten Hag on that, because I don't think it is anything a manager can strategically do. You don't want him to park the bus, do you? But at the same time, you want... I don't like honestly. I think parking the bus is, I think, is demonized to a point where, like, over demonized. I'd love to see that at the right time, at the right moment, at the right time. And that's the caveat. That's the that's the sales pitch on parking the bus. There are times to slow the game down, and Man City will do it. Yeah, when they're when they're winning games, they sometimes chase it if they think they can. And other days, they're like, let's have a rest. Let's have 20 minutes with the ball and make them run around and we're okay. I don't believe, Scott, at all that these players, that we have this conversation all the time about technicality, you know, that these players can't just put their foot on the ball. I just don't believe it. You're taught to do it as a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old about keeping the ball at your feet and doing technical stuff. And yet this lot just constantly... Flick the ball out of play. No, the game, come off the, the game's shins. changed. Like, uh, like as, yeah, yeah you, you can say that, but the game's changed in terms of the intensity, of the the high press, like all all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Playing the ball under pressure, picking the right pass. That that's mm. that's modern. You know, mm. players used to be able to just walk around for ten seconds. You know, the intensity has changed so heavily that, and you see it in Kobe now. He is, he's come through this. He's probably learned how to play this way. For me, I don't think you either got it or you don't. Really? Is that is that yeah, is that? Is that do you, 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 you think Scott McTominay could play for Man City? No, to- totally. Yeah, he can't That's play fine. for Man United. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. So I think the thing is, is again, like uh, I don't know. I think this is the debate, isn't it? It's about is your problem Scott McTominay? Like for me, no, he's just one player I picked. Out, he's just one he's... player exactly. And and I think this is the whole thing. The whole midfield. Is culpable, and I still think Scott that there's nowhere on a training pitch at Carrington that the boss is saying to them, lads, you, you, you can't keep the ball. So what, what what are you doing? Why are you not working around these things? Like just play keep ball. You can play keep ball. You're talking about the pace of the game. The pace of the game is a lot quicker. But let's not pretend that pressing was invented this last year. You know, pressing has been there, Gagan pressing for 20, 30 years. So teams will press you and you have to just do simple stuff. Turn your back to the play and go backwards if you have to. It's fine. Parking the bus in those elements, absolutely fine. At 2-0, you've done the hard work. This team doesn't know how to do it. And I think it all comes, Scott, from leadership. On the pitch, you need people to just go calm down keep the ball I don't need 30 40 yard passes I don't need to be an egotism like maverick pushing the ball up there keep the ball man United just don't do it so we know that the answer that is probably going by midfielders that can do that over time that is the long-term vision of what Eric Ten Hag would have to do but you must be furious if you're Ten Hag on that sideline watching that and going well you, you get yourself in a good position 
and you just give it away. You know, so the show we haven't even talked about Anana. You know, Anana makes critical errors in this game. You know, three really bad errors, but I would say one of the three was particularly poor. You could, you know, it's horses for courses for all three. Yes, they're all his fault. But Man United are not in this position because of the goalkeeper this part of the season. Like you're not in your, say, title challenging mode at the top end, Scott because your goalkeeper's bad. it's That's just not the truth. And that's really what the revisionism has been in the last 24, 48 hours, is that this is all about Anana, all about the way he plays. And that's why you're going out the Champions League, probably. No, he's made mistakes in Champions League, but you're going out the Champions League, Scott, because of your team. And you've all got to stick together because of that. Um. Where do I go with that? Because I, I go where you want. Not that I don't agree, Rob. Go where you want. There are team issues, but yeah. your goalkeeper's got a. He, he can't flap at the ball. Mm. He's let one in at Munich. He, I, I will give him the, the risk of passing the ball out that he, that happened at home to Galatasaray. I'll give him that because yep. that's going to happen. Yeah. Just catch the ball, man. Just to me, just just catch the ball. Stop trying to be fancy stop trying to palm it out i know that he was probably unsighted a little bit but don't don't go me any any goal, any top goalkeeper, goalkeeper should be saving that and we're seeing a lot of mistakes from him and i'm not saying drop him I, i'm not even saying to drop him i'm just saying he's got a you can't make those errors the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So I see Jamie Carragher, Rob, has uh, done a telegraph column this week about Man United again, about Andre Onana saying he needs to stop, uh, stop making glaring er errors. What are your thoughts on the Onana situation? Yeah, look, with the Onana situation, obviously off the back of the Galatasaray result and literally all of the Champions League games where he's made lots of mistakes. Yes, your goalkeeper needs to make less mistakes. Ideally, Scott, no mistakes, because then we don't have this conversation. Um, when we bought Anana, one of the things that we said consistently was that he's going to infuriate a load of Man United fans because he's the kind of goalkeeper that does make errors. He's the polar opposite in personality to David De Gea. So David De Gea is very solid in the middle of his goal and wants to be that kind of goalkeeper in his six-yard box. I think you see with Anana, the kindest word you could call him is unconventional, isn't he? That's what you could say. And he does look really awkward with a lot of these mistakes he's making. Like you're thinking, why are you not just getting a strong hand on that and pushing it away? He doesn't really 
he doesn't really do that. Do you remember the Icardi goal, Scott, earlier in the Champions League campaign where he just kind of lifts it and he just falls down and it just kind well, of lifts it? there was another example of that in this game, the, the Lindelof shoulder offside with Icardi again, actually. Like there was a chance. Onana didn't know what to do. Yeah. Like, in, in one-on-ones, you might as well not have him there. <laughs> he does like I, I I was really shocked this season, I think, with him is that how bad he is in that one-on-one situation because he's got this reputation as a mobile goal goalkeeper, but he's actually got pretty poor mobility in those moments. Like you want a goalkeeper to come out and be big and to close angles down and to and to kind of get deflections. He, he's not that kind of goalkeeper at all. He doesn't his timing on that is pretty poor. But, so this is where the but comes, if we think that all of these issues at Man United are around goalkeeping errors or or the goalkeeper, it is very similar to last season when we were criticising De Gea, is that De Gea can only do so much in his skill set and he'll look silly in certain situations. I think it's the same for Anana, is that you're not, you're not replacing one outgoing goal, goalkeeper with the perfect solution. You're, you're replacing him with a different solution. So I think with Anana, again, at Man United, the amount of chances that we've been conceding this season through the midfield and defence has meant that he's had more opportunities to save the ball. And this year, he's in, he's top with Liverpool in the Premier League with the with his save percentage. So he's making the saves week to week to week to week. But he's also making horrible howlers in the Champions League, Scott. And that is why we're talking about it. But I think, Scott, as a goalkeeper, this is what happens with some goalkeepers. Like Peter Schmeichel was like this in the early years. It's all great to remember him now. But in those early years, Schmeichel would make one rick every few weeks. And you'd be like, what is that goalkeeper doing? Like, why is he diving over the ball? Or why has he come out so far? Or why has he not made that basic save? And it took him years to kind of develop into the English Premier League to be as good as he became. I'm not saying Anana's going that route, but I do think with Anana is that there are there are downsides to his game, Scott, that you're just either going to have to get used to or you go buy another goalkeeper next year and find someone who's a solution. I think this is the thing with the second goalkeeper. Do you give him a go? I think a few uh, at the start of the season, I said, do you give the guy a go? Did you, did you, I meant, did you put Anana on the bench and let him kind of sit it out for two or three weeks and let the storm pass to bring him back in? I don't think Ten Hag's going to do that. Think, what would you, you know, do? Well, I, that's what I would have done in those early games. So, you know, when we had those first Champions League games and we had early start of the season, I would have either taken Anana out the firing line. But the caveat to that was that if you're at Ten Hag and you don't believe in what else you've got as a goalkeeper, then you're going to stick with the person you've just bought, aren't you? So, like, Anana's going to go, isn't he, now to the African Cup of Nations. So there's a natural space for him. That's not a guarantee, by the way. Well, I hope he doesn't go because I think it causes you more problems. It's a selfish perspective as a Man United fan. Um, but I think he probably will go to AFCON and then and then he's out the team for a kind of limited amount of time away from Man United out the firing line. What does it mean, Scott? When he comes back, he's going to just straight back in it. So, like, you might as well just carry on. So, I, I don't think, Scott, as well, like, we apply science to goalkeepers in a way that we don't apply it to outfield players. Outfield players can make mistakes week after week after week after week, and we'll chat about it. But when a goalkeeper makes a terrible error, and it really hits us there, and I'm if for people, again, watching, uh, not watching on YouTube, I'm kind of punching my chest where my heart is, because it gets you right there. Fans explode. Fans react. Um, it is revisionism to say that David De Gea was not doing that last year. He let's was making. Just, let's do a little bit on this. Go on, then. Stop it. Like, <laughs> no. 
I understand the, oh, we'll just renew his contract for another year and pay him more than probably Onana's on, by the way. You know, the guy's off. I, I love De Gea. I think he's a brilliant servant, but he's, he, he's without a club. He's promoting his bloody esports team at the moment. Like, this is not... De Gea himself needed to leave. It was the right moment for David De Gea to leave Man United. He was out of contract. It was the right decision. What you should be questioning, if you're going to question anything, is it is did they replace him with the right goalkeeper? For me, that is that's the bigger question. Um, the revisionism of De Gea would never have made that mistake. Have you do you remember the amount of times we had conversations about David De Gea making mistakes last season, the season before, the mistake at West Ham, the mistake against Sevilla, the the mistake against Everton in the FA Cup. So many of them, like. You've kept up the volume of mistakes now, and you've not really seen the ben- complete benefits of Anani yet. I just think United are in the same same situation, really, at the moment. Um, but the, stop the revisionism, please. The the De Gea thing, it, it's, it doesn't wash for me. Yeah, like, I, I think when we look back to last season, Scott, when you and me would do our shows about priorities, goalkeeper was always a massive priority for you. And I used to say, I'm not sure... It's a priority for Ten Hag. And guess what? We found out it was, wasn't it? We got towards the end of the season. And when we were talking about new contracts, renewals, obviously De Gea's contract coming to an end, I didn't know if a man United would be brave enough just to show him the door. Now, they could have actually done that earlier than they did and started the process a little bit earlier, but they didn't, did they? They kind of got to the end of the season. David De Gea goes and people are still saying, were well, they going to give him a new contract? What, what are we doing here? Oh, they've gone and bought this lad Anana from Inter Milan. You know, you bought Anana off the back of him being an Ajax goalkeeper that the manager knows really well. So the manager knows this goalkeeper back to front. This is not like I'm working with a new set of players here and this this one here I brought in the goalkeeper. I don't know him. He knows him really well. He knows what his weaknesses are. But last year in the Champions League, Anana was statistically the best goalkeeper. That's why Inter Milan got to where they were, you know, in terms of that final. But it still doesn't take away what he is as a goalkeeper. He's still going to make mistakes now and then. And they always look shocking. He's that kind of goalkeeper that when he makes an error, it looks terrible. But when you look at the stats in the Premier League this year and look at the games, and Arnold's played all the games, hasn't he, exclusively? We've not had another goalkeeper in there. He's he's in that top echelon or top three or top four goalkeepers this season in terms of performance. And Man United as a team are not, Scott. And that's what's important here, is that United are somewhere floating towards mid-table in terms of all the metrics. And yet the goalkeeper himself is doing his job in those games, even though he struggled. So, like, this is I, where I, I... I think both of those things... I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily true. I think What's when, not true? Is, um, I don't think Anana's fully doing his job. But I also agree with you that the team are not doing their job. I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both. So what, what bit of an honor? So let's take the conversation away from the Galatasaray game. Then what do you see in the Premier League where you feel that he's not necessarily doing his job in the Premier League? <sighs> he just looks, uh, Rob, like it, we're, we're looking at an unconventional goalkeeper here. He's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are not seeing the full benefits of his uh, distribution. I think that's nope. probably on the team. But that's also probably a little bit on him as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more on the team in that case. But you're isolating it to the Premier League. Like, we're lo- I'm looking at the big picture. He's simply costing United points. Like, he's he's probably, if, if you're going to put... I don't want to do this, but if he hadn't made the mistakes he's made in the Champions League, United would be going through. 
I, so I if we've kept De Gea, De Gea probably doesn't make those mistakes because he's more conventional. So there is I'm, an no, argument But I just said hmm. De Gea had to go as well. In yours and mine opinions. Mm-hmm. But, so th- this is this is the balancing and the tipping point. In, in all what in I'm one. saying is, Rob, both things are true. Onana's not fully functional. And neither I agree. Team. Yeah. What but, you're saying is Onana's fine. I'm no, not at all. Oh, we no, do this you, again. You said, you said he's no, fine. We're doing this again. No, I'm not saying he's fine. fine I'm saying he's he's hitting certain marks that you want a goalkeeper to hit, but he is making errors. And I think when you look at the Premier League, his form, like you're saying, you want to look at it in totality. That's cool. I look at it in the Premier League because to me, that's the bread and butter. So the bread and butter statistically is what you do every week. Champions League is a step up. It's a different it's not, style bro. of football. You should be better. Like I agree, you not, should be bro. making this, huh? this. This group isn't. No, they're not Champions League standards, You're telling me Galatasaray and Copenhagen are a step up from the Premier League? They shouldn't be. They absolutely shouldn't be. It's a different style of football. It's refereed different. It's like a different set of rules sometimes, these players. They see it differently and they do different stuff. If they were just doing what they should be doing across every competition, that's great. But every team does stylistically change for Europe. It's just kind of just little tweaks. But when you're a goalkeeper, yeah, the big thing is keep the ball out the net, however you do it. Don't concede a goal. Don't make a mistake. And I think in the Premier League, he's gone from in the very early weeks of the Premier League, where I was very worried about some of the stuff he was doing, that we've got to maybe the last Premier League game. And I'm a, I'm less worried about his rounded work. You just mentioned there about the ball distribution from the back. Statistically, He's been one of the worst goalkeepers in the league about about ball progression, ball from the back of the goalkeeper. And I agree with what you just said a minute ago. I think that's on the team. I think mm. he hasn't got options. When he's on the edge of his box, you saw Scott for a few weeks, he actually went back in his box in games because clearly they weren't it wasn't working. And the last three, four, five weeks, he's starting to take his position out of the box again. That's because the manager wants that. It's because we all want that. That's how you play the modern game as from the goalkeeper. But I do think is that to just kind of roll it down to just one, two, three, four, five big errors, which of course are terrible and you can't make them and you shouldn't make them. That is not why Man United conceded 33 goals this season in totality. It's not. It's because you're not doing the basics from your defence in your midfield. And you could say I'm telling you both things are true. They are both true. Yes, I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all that Anana's been great. Like, I'm not saying Anana's doing his job in the Premier League. I'm saying statistically, he's not as bad as people are saying. I've got people in my comments saying there, Scott, in, in Twitter, saying he's the worst goalkeeper they've ever seen. That, 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 this is the balance, isn't it? What did you say about Jamie Carragher? What, what's Jamie Carragher written today about uh, Andre Anana? I'll try and dig that up. Yeah, what, what, what's the thing? Because, again, I, I've seen a lot of comment in the last 24 hours from journalists that I respect that I think oh, no, I just... Onana has been a liability for Man United so far, and it doesn't. If it doesn't change quickly, it will give Ten Hag a big decision to make. His Telegraph common uh, comment or column hmm. says there's no hiding place for an out of, play, out of form goalkeeper. Uh, Onana may have Ten Hag's patience and public support. Oh, may have Ten Hag's public support, but time and patience is not on his side. But it's is he out of form? Yes. Yes, he is. I would disagree with that. I actually think his form in the Premier League has been pretty good in recent weeks. No, he saved like, United so you're, many You're times. doing it again. You're saying it's the Premier League. Like, yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing it again. In totality. I, because I think, the pre, like we said in the Champions League, even though those two teams that you should be beating in, in it's, Copenhagen... It's not like Onana thinks, all right, I'm in the Premier League. This is all fine. Like, No. 
Yeah, but I think United play differently in the Champions League. I don't think that they do the same things that they that they, that they do in the domestic league. And I don't think most teams don't. Most teams have different methods of how they want to manage football matches. In the in the Champions League, Scott, you're supposed to put your foot on the foot more and play a slower game against a different style of opponents. Man United go and play like they are playing in the Premier League, like they're like they're at Burnley or somewhere. It's like no, you're supposed to actually look at the opponent and work around it. You know, you're supposed to have different methods. This team can't do that. Um, I think that Anana's form as a as a as a body of work this season has been acceptable. I think the, the mistakes he's made have been unacceptable. That's the way I look at it. But I do hope that he improves those things. That's that's I think how a manager looks at it. Otherwise, Scott, if the manager looked at it like we're talking about here, he just drops him, takes him out of the team because that's what you do. If a player plays badly, you should drop them or give them a, a rest, as we like to call it, for a week or two. I don't think he looks at Anana in training and thinks, oh, this is a guy who's out of form or not putting it in or not putting the work in. I think those mistakes are terrible. But goalkeepers will always get killed for those mistakes. Goes back to the start of time, Scott. Every goalkeeper can make ricks, huge ricks in a football match. As I said, Peter Schmeichel was like that for years. And we, we obviously remember him completely differently because he saved United a lot of times as well. But I do think that Anana, in, in, overall except these Champions League games, has played pretty well to a certain extent. I don't think he's been bad. I've not come out of games week after week going, got away one there because the goalkeeper was so bad today, but, you know, we, we got away with that. I've come out of games going, he saved United today, made one or two really, really big top-class saves, top corners, all of that. He's doing his work. He's just still not there, not yet. And with a goalkeeper, that is very difficult because you end up then paying the cost of one or two huge mistakes. He is massively unconventional, Scott. And there is a conversation to be had that do you go buy a conventional goalkeeper next year because you want convention? Or do you do you stick with this and it's a process and then you just replace defenders and midfielders that lose the ball and don't protect the goal? I think that's a bigger conversation. I think that's probably where Man United truly are. Yeah, you can do that. But if a, if a routine shot comes in from a free kick and he drops it, it doesn't change. It's, it's, it's the same same thing. You still have it's a mistake. Problem. It's an error. It's, got, it's a handling error. It's a handling error. And that's what it goes down as. And I, I don't think that his handling errors, when you compare them to the league across the body of work of the season, are massively out of line. It's just that these big moments, which are really important. I used the Icardi uh, example earlier. You know, when, when, when a player's coming out, please don't fall on the floor. You know, stand up to him. That's easy, isn't it? You know, that's what you want your goalkeeper to do, to be big in that moment. But I'm not going to define the whole season on one, two, three or four or five moments because United are a moments team. I keep begging them to be more consistent. I hope Anana becomes more consistent. I think his, his work week to week to week, Scott, I think has improved. We have to hold on to that. We've got to hold on to that because he's one player that has improved over that time. There's a load of them out there, Scott, that haven't. For him to stay improving, he's got he's simply got to cut the arrows out. But let us yeah. let us know what you uh, what where you stand on it. I personally, I'd stick with him for now. Yeah. Um, and there's also You've the case that choice, you, you? You, you mentioned there that I think Eric Ten Hag. I don't think Ten Hag looks at him in training and thinks I've got an out of form goalkeeper there. I think. Again, Man United have made the error of spending loads of money on a player and now they have to stick by him when he's in a difficult moment because if they drop him, that's an admission of failure on the manager's part. I think that, that's how it's painted. That's mm. where the pressure comes from. And I don't again, think that's true, though. Like, I think that's how it's painted. I don't think that's how Ten Hag thinks. I don't think that's how well, United... It probably isn't, but that, that will happen. Yeah. That will I, happen. I think he might look at Bayern and go, mm, well, this is my options. I bought two new goalkeepers. 
you know, bought this one to cover this one when he's at AFCON. So clearly he doesn't feel that that's a change he can make. And I don't think he's doing it out of, like, out of ego that, oh, I'll, I'll be seen that I'm wrong. I think he looks at Anana as his best choice. He's trying to pick his best choice for, for each match. I think there's a, there is a debate to be had about, you just said there about if you buy a player, do you just stick with them? Well, that's the same every 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 team. Like if you, if you buy a player, you've got to give them opportunity to succeed as much as the chances that they get to fail. And with a goalkeeper, it's really difficult because you have to make that call of, you know, is it an attitude issue? Is it because they're they're scared of what's got in front of them? Is it disorganisation? You know, which comes from the goalkeeper. I always think I think the goalkeeper has to organise the defence as well. But we know Scott that we do have a defence that's highly dysfunctional, a midfield that can't keep the ball. That means that, that this goalkeeper's having to do more work. It's the truth. But he's not perfect. He's never going to be perfect. And then you have, can have a debate, I think, at the end of the season about do you go buy another goalkeeper? Because I think that's where the debate is already. Got loads of people saying, oh, buy this goalkeeper, buy that goalkeeper. Jamie Carragher can say that. I can remember Jamie Carragher being at Liverpool, being awful at times and being dropped out the team. And then you have to play your way back in, don't you? With a goalkeeper, it's slightly different. Is that when you're out the team, it's very difficult to get back in. But I don't know that Man United have got a big option to drop an Arna when it comes to that. I don't believe the manager thinks that. If only uh, United could just... Remember when Pep signed Claudio Bravo? Gave him the season. It was like, no, <laughs> you're out. But we're Fine. not them, are we? We're not Man City. We, we, we're not, we're, and we haven't got Pep Guardiola. And if we're comparing ourselves to these successful projects when we are a dysfunctional project, then then again, yeah, it I was more cracking wash. a joke. I was just cracking a joke. I, I um, know, but I, I don't think the Claudio Bravo thing because it's like he, he was like as soon as he came in, you knew straight away. Like you went, ah, this ain't going to get better, <laughs> you know. And he was done, wasn't he? And cooked, and that was that. That was Pep Guardiola making that error of signing him first and foremost. Um, but you, you then have to go rectify it. I think, again, Eric Ten Hag looks at this and Anana carries on the rest of the season, doesn't improve certain facets of his game. I think we then have to ask the manager, well, what do you want stylistically from a goalkeeper? Like, Do you want someone that's just rock solid but maybe doesn't have the ball-playing abilities? I think he'd or, like Andre Anana, but without the mistakes. Wouldn't we all? like that? that well, we no, we I, all want I, that. I think yeah. that's... that's, that's what it boils down to. He's not going to an honor going, oh, Andre, don't, you know, the mistakes are fine. He's not. He's probably ripping him to shreds and giving him some and saying, look, you've got to be better than that. But I do think that those opportunities that, that United concede in game to game to game that's gone over the whole season are not specific goalkeeping issues. They are defensive and midfield issues. And that is the bigger picture for me. I agree with that. Do you want to go into any more depth? No, not really. I do. I just think that, <laughs> and you know, and yeah, you're laughing. You know why? Because obviously we talk about his stuff off camera. Because I'm not going to do the Bruno Fernandez segment, right? In fact, so let's do the Bruno segment by not doing it, right? Bruno at the moment in midfield as your number ten, great, fantastic. I like him up there. Everyone knows I've said that week, month after month after month. I've never stopped saying it. You saw that goal he scored against Galatasaray, Scott. In the ten, he's deadly. He's brilliant. That's where I want him when he's in the eight or the six, or deeper, he costs you goals, he costs you games, yeah? You gave two free kicks away that he shouldn't give away. It's just the bottom line. So people want to forget it because he scores the beautiful goal and he hits the post and he's great at the 10, but his job is we to get back. We weren't doing the Bruno section. We're not doing the Bruno section. I'm, I'm ending it there. The I'm, not, I'm not doing the Bruno section, but I'm more impassioned about that than goalkeeping errors. Like goalkeeping errors to me happen yeah, at see, every yeah, club. I, I, and it's it's boring for me, and I and I I don't think you can't say to a goalkeeper just be better. Well, well, you want that from all players, but don't make those mistakes, please, Andre and Anna. 
But that's not why United are where they are. They're there, Scott, because this midfield, all of them, it's not just Bruno, but it's the leadership and it's the midfield know-how. And they don't they do not do it. They don't do the, base, the basics. And that's why it's a problem. So I'll get loads of flack, I know, for mentioning the B word, Bruno. You know, it is about leadership. He's the captain. It's about the midfield. He's our best midfielder probably overall. It's boring to talk about Scott McTominay to me. Do you know what I mean? Like Scott McTominay is what he is. Like he's he's always going to be what he is. The manager maybe shouldn't pick him, but he scores goals for Scotland and everyone demands that he gets picked. So it was a great goal by Scotty on the night. But you can see that the upside, Scott, in the final third of what these players are, but the downside that way, back towards the goal. It's it's frightening week after week. And that is where I think you look at it in totality with Champions League and the Premier League. It's the same issues across those competitions there because they don't do the basics. Like, why, Scott? Tell me why these players can't keep a football. Give me a, a real reason why these players can't keep a football in midfield. I don't understand it. We're, we're asking for an 18-year-old to come into the team now because he can keep a football. He's 18. We've had this conversation. We've had this conversation. So, for me, that's why those goals happen is those two free kicks. You, you, you know, and Arna makes those mistakes, but you really shouldn't be giving those free kicks away in those positions because you always then leave it up to the gods so that you can make a mistake in that moment when the ball gets swung into the box. Bad goalkeeping errors. Please don't make them, Andre and Arna. But this goes back to the Ole times where they would foul around the box every week and United statistically had the worst conversion of, of free kicks against their goalkeeper. And guess what, Scott? That was when David De Gea was your goalkeeper. So that's not a goalkeeping thing. That is, again, a midfield and a defensive issue that I think just repeats all the time. It's like heartburn, man. It is, it's just like repeated all the time. It just doesn't stop. Let's look ahead briefly to Newcastle. Uh, Saturday, 8pm UK kickoff. Same situation, really, for me. I think you, yeah. you're playing a better team than either of the two teams you played recently, but the the same things apply. You've got to, you've got to come in with intensity. You've got to come in with um, drive. You've got to come in with cool heads. Hmm. You've got to take your chances when you get them, and you've got to not make mistakes. How do you think it goes? It's not a game I'm looking forward to, to being completely honest. And what I will say, Scott, on a positive spin of what you just said there, is that I think there are those parts of the game they've got better at. I actually think the intensity is better. I think some of the more rounded work is better. They're definitely getting better in the final third. Like we're seeing some goals go in the back of the net now. I think at the start of the season, it felt like no one could score, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, like in the early early weeks. So we're seeing that with this uh, with this United team, that there are definite things that are improving. And I think that is great. I think when you run into a Newcastle, it's a good comparison of two teams that maybe have similar ambitions this season about where they are in the league, but maybe how one is suffering and one isn't. Now, both teams have got excessive injuries or have had excessive injuries. What Newcastle have shown is that their fundamentals have protected them, Scott, is that they look after the ball, they do the right things, they do the right work, they protect their goalkeeper. There was a, a chance in the, uh, um, in the Champions League where Pope made one or two real big howlers and got away with it. So you don't talk about it because Pope's a really solid goalkeeper, isn't he? But you look at Newcastle as a team and they will approach this, Scott, in the way that Newcastle approach every game. Now, that's the problem with Man United mm. is that you just don't know. You know, we talk about Jackal and Hyde. You know that United might come into the game and blow Newcastle away and we'll be like, what are they doing? This is amazing football. 
or they might just give fouls away around the box and Kieran Trippier they will just destroy you. That's it. End of your end of the game. They'll swing it in and Isak will get his on his head and that will be it. And you you'll concede another goal. So it's a tough game for Man United because even though these two teams have similar ideas and and thought processes, there's one team I think that's actually much more comfortable in their own skin, and that's Newcastle. So hopefully United will look at all the progressive stuff that they've done in the last few weeks and carry that on because there has definitely been improvement in performances. I, I do think I, I think there's a moment coming, and I tweeted this before the Galatasaray game. One day, I don't know, I don't know how soon it'll be, but one day United will get it right on yeah. on an away ground that's difficult. One day, yeah. And I, I think I think it's closing. I think we're getting close to it, personally. Hmm. I don't know when exactly it's going to be, but I think for me, there's a little bit of optimism there for me. That like one day they will just not make stupid mistakes. I, I'm with you. One you day go. they'll hold it. <laughs> you know. So that that's kind of. I can't say for, with any certainty United will go into that game and get anything. I do think they, my gut feeling is that they will. I think they will, actually. Um, and I think they're capable of winning because they're showing that they can score goals. Newcastle are injury ravaged. Liverpool played terribly there in one. You know, I'm not saying United are anything like Liverpool, but, you know, we've seen what Newcastle can do to other teams. But at the same time, if United get it right and they get their heads in it and they look at all the mistakes they've made over the last few weeks and then they think, no, today it's going to be different. Definitely. Maybe. Look, at, yeah. at Manchester United, five wins in six in the Premier League means that they are still the form team in the Premier League. So, you know, we said there about chopping out Premier League, Champions League and all of this and putting it in totality is that United, I think, should put the Champions League performances to one side at the moment and think, right, hang on. We are doing our work week to week to week here. So here we are against Newcastle. So let's carry on doing what's got us five wins out of six. Now, we know that it's not been perfect in that run, but you're managing to win football matches, Scott, while not being perfect. So Newcastle, hopefully, fingers crossed, might run into that kind of brick wall that teams with injuries do sometimes, is that you play well over a period of time and your, your, your fringe players continue to help you. And then one day, bang, Bruno Fernandes in the 10 absolutely destroys uh, their defence because they haven't got their top line defenders in there. Do you know what I mean? So this is the way you have to kind of look at it. And, and again, fingers crossed, hope that's where it goes. I think that's how United will look at it. United will go there and say, right, we have got the game to unlock Newcastle defensively. But the problem is us. The problem is us giving the ball away. The problem all, is us. I, I don't know how much you, you, you weigh into this, Rob. They got embarrassed by this team a month ago. Like completely embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed. And Newcastle had their fringe out in that game. So, mm. like, this wasn't prime Newcastle against prime United or prime Newcastle against injured United. This was Man United team Scott that kind of tapped out. I think was the word I described it in that game. You know, they they got to a point where Newcastle were just all singing, all dancing, running the game, and United couldn't get anywhere near them, could they? So, hopefully, that's used as motivation. We can't be a moments team, Scott. This is what I keep saying. We have to start playing serious football. And that means playing fast and slow, keeping the ball, creating chances, taking your chances. And yes, no goalkeeping errors, please, Anana. And there has to be a point where some of that comes together a little bit more. I unfortunately, do think that the, the real key to that, Scott, is Kobe Manu. I really do. I think that he's the guy at the number six that can just calm everything down. You give him the ball and he'll just spray the correct pass and he'll make the right pass. 
He's 18. He's a boy. He's a child. However, he's the best you've got in that position. So he's going to have to play a lot of minutes, I think, between now and the end of the season. We'll see how it goes. United play Newcastle at St. James's Park Saturday night, UK time. Uh, and then Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea. Then I believe, and there's a there's a lot yeah. there's a lot of big games coming up for United. So they need yeah. to keep their good run going and hopefully stop making silly mistakes. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. Rob, you have something to add? I was just about to say at the end to say that I actually I'm always more confident when United play bigger teams, just because I think that they're more serious when they play a bigger team. You know, when they play Copenhagen and Galatasaray, yeah, the standard kind of fluctuates and goes up and down. But I think I think they'll go to this Newcastle game and they'll feel that they've got something to prove, especially after the goals that they conceded in the Champions League. I think they'll go there and feel that that they can go and nick a win. And and I think they probably can. I think they'll, you know, one nil Scott with a defensive display. Would you take that? I know I would. Of course. Absolutely. We'll see how it goes. You can't say it with any faith, though. So no. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure everybody listening can't say that yet either. But watch us on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And like this video, subscribe, leave a comment for us, and hit the notification bell so you never miss a show. Follow us on social as well, at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at PromiseNMU on X. And uh, we'll be back next week to unpick the Newcastle game, look ahead to Chelsea, talk about whatever mistakes United have made in the in the upcoming match. Hopefully we have none to talk about, but we will uh we'll we'll keep track and we'll be back. Hopefully we can keep the positive trajectory going and eradicate all the errors and just uh become a better footy team. So yeah, Rob, thank you very much. Thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you soon for another Promise Am podcast until next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.